Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. <laughs> Thanks, Amici. Uh, this is the Fizzle Show, folks. Welcome. Uh, this is where you're going to find actionable, articulate, and entertaining conversations about running a business in the modern world. Every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship, building a thriving audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts are, uh, you know, here, I'll just let Amici take it away. Your hosts, if they were the exposure triangle, Corbett would be aperture because he has such depth of field. Barrett, Barrett would be shutter speed because he keeps things sharp. And Chase, Chase would be ISO because he vacillates between sensitivity and noise. Can y'all fellas tell I've been doing a lot of DSLR video shoots lately? Love you guys. <laughs> In this episode, you don't have to choose a niche. Nietzsche. Or niche. Or niche. Or niche, please. You don't have to choose a niche. The largest blogs online never did. We may have to eat our own words a bit on, on this one. Regardless. It's an eye-opening exploration of what makes some of the biggest blogs on the web work, all due to a great question from a listener. I I also did a little historical research into these blogs uh, on this one. Uh, The origins of some of these blogs are just super surprising. If you're interested in choosing a niche or in not choosing a niche, this conversation is important. So follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 98. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. So let's get into it. Okay, guys, I'm just going to read. We got a que- great question from a listener today, and I'm going to start just by reading it. Because I think that kind of like reins us in and helps us just get straight into the, to the meat. Straight you know? to it. We are just such a bullet point. No dilly-dallying. None of this dilly-dallying. So here's Logan's question. Uh, He says, uh, Hey, Fizzle Crew, I have a problem I've been trying to figure out for a while, and I thought if anyone would know the answer, it would be you guys. There's a lot said around the blogging world and your guys' site as well about defining your audience and finding your niche or niche or niche or niche, please. I've just recently found out about Fizzle, so I'm a bit behind on the backlog of podcasts, but you guys have mentioned a few times sites like brainpickings.org and Farnham Street Blog. And I'm wondering this. How is it that something so cross-disciplinary or kind of anti-niche does so well? And how would they go about doing things like defining their audience and or doing market research when their audience basically is people who enjoy random interesting things? I'm not sure if you guys answer random emailed questions, but if you do, then thank you very much for helping me out with this, and I hope to hear back. Best regards, Logan Morrow. Oh, man. Do oh, we, we answer, answer random emailed questions? Oh, yeah. Is that, yeah I mean, that's sort of our MO. Yeah, that's really, that's how we got started. That's really Barrett's job description. It, it is. Pretty it much. Is. Yeah. It, it has been. It has been. But we're changing that because we're hiring someone else to uh, to be the, the chief consulate of... of Email intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, so I like this question for a lot of reasons because it started getting me thinking uh, a little bit differently about, you know, like uh, 
like every site out there, and like our, our like our previous previous episode was about a similar thing: choosing your your audience, right? Yep. Um, and we're we're always espousing these ideas about uh, picking your niche. Uh, why? For for a lot of reasons. Um, one of those reasons is if you're just trying to get started and you're trying to get to money pretty quick, you got to pick something pretty specific mm-hmm. because you're not, you know, Apple computers or Campbell's soup or PG and E or something like that. You're not, you're not Johnson and Johnson. Yep. You're not, you don't, you don't get to play those games. They're just going to crush you. Yep. So, but, but there are none of no, if nobody's playing in the space and you can find 10 people of which one of them might pay you for some coaching or consulting, that's what's called a niche that, that could be really effective up front. So when you guys hear this question from Logan, wh- what's the first thing you start wondering or thinking about? Oh, there's a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. I mean, um, Go, 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 go. All right. Go. Well, just, just, just first off, you guys um, are excited. You're like pumped to get into it. You're like, let's yeah. get into it. Yeah. Let's get into it. First off, you have to realize that what you're seeing is, or what we're talking about are these uber successful sites that have been around for a very long time. And what you don't see are the hundreds of thousands of sites that started around the same time that don't exist anymore. So these are, there's some survivor bias here, meaning, you know, we hold these up as really great examples but um, we aren't seeing, you know, all the other ones that failed. Maria Popova, who started brain pickings, you can see on her about page, it says the site was founded in 2006. Mm-hmm. And um, I just have to wonder, you know, for all the people that we're talking to about, you know, we're, we often give the advice to choose uh, a specific topic. And we do that partly because we believe it's a faster way to get traction. And, if you choose something as broad as brain pickings or um, you you mentioned kotkey.org as well or Farnham yeah. Street or whatever, uh, the question is, are you going to have the staying power to get through the years of just trying to find um, some credibility you know, or trying to build your reputation? And it can take a long time. And, and if instead you choose a specific niche, it can be a lot easier to get that going in the early days. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the what first thing that Barrett? came to mind from, for yeah. me was uh, I listened to Maria Popova on Tim Ferriss' show, mm-hmm. and I've looked at kind of Dave Pell's process over there. That's who does Farnham, right? No. What's he no, doing? Dave, Dave Pell is, is um, uh, Next Market. Oh, that's right. Okay, so that's a similar no, not, concept. Not, not, no, not, no, Next Market. not uh, Next Market. Which one is it? <laughs> He's got like the sunglasses dude yeah. on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's Dave Pell, yeah. It's I don't know, whatever. whatever. Just look for Dave Pell. He's that's got a newsletter that's that's kind of similar, that's... This is next, next draft. Next, next draft. draft. Yeah, and that's they're, another they're one actually, that's kind of like this. Yeah, they're not. They're actually not similar at all. So let's get yeah, into. Barrett, the, how well, about how about let's let's talk about. <laughs> well, he comes to mind when I'm thinking about Barrett. this, and here's why. Yeah, because see. if you listen to Maria talk about her workflow and what she actually does every day, I don't know many people in the world that are willing to do what she does. And so, yeah, sure, you could build a site like that, but are you going to spend twelve or fifteen hours a day? reading books, like never ending reading, and then writing thousands and thousands of words in between reading books, and then taking a break to walk the dog and then coming back and reading another half book before bed or whatever. Like her workflow is out of control and she's been doing it for more than eight or nine years. Yep. And so like you're saying, Corbett, the reason we don't start there with the advice we're giving is sure that can work. And if you can figure out a way to support yourself for years on end while you're getting going and building up that momentum required to build an audience around it, sure, go for it. I think that you have a chance of having the same kind of site. But 
I don't know many people. I don't even know if I would wish that upon myself. And so how could I responsibly give that advice to someone else to say, yeah, sure, don't pick a niche, just do what's interesting to you and then see if you can gain an audience. Yeah. You know, the the other thing is as well, the, there's no hard and fast rule about choosing a topic or picking a niche. The only hard and fast rule about building a business or building an audience in general is that you have to make something people want. And that could mean that you're solving some specific problem or fulfilling some really specific need, or it could just be that there's this desire out there that maybe you can't exactly put your finger on. It's some combination of curiosity, the desire to be entertained, the desire to feel like you're in the know. And if you're able to fill that that desire and to build something people want, more power to you. But it takes someone who has a really fascinating and capable mind to be able to do that. These people, if you sat down with them, with Maria Popova or um, Jason Kotke or anybody, I'm sure that they could run intellectual circles around most of us. Yep. And I think that um, that's how they're able to pull all this together and synthesize it all. And like you said, most people just aren't capable of sifting through that much information and then reflecting it back to people in a way that makes it digestible. Well, I so I take I sort of take issue with that. Oh um, man, I don't think they're I don't think they're of a, a, a you know a, above average intelligence. I think they're what they are is they're driven, they're interested, in, and fundamentally like curious about these topics. Um, so I did a little bit. Of Co- research. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Average intelligence <laughs> is setting the bar pretty low. Well, <laughs> what, what, I mean, like average. Yeah, I guess I, I guess there are a lot of yeah. So <laughs> I mean, I guess whatever. You know, I would say they're above name, average, but not name one like person phenomenal. that you've in, name one person you've interacted with that you're just like, holy crap, that person's smart. Are you fishing right now? I'm asking you, like, name one person that you remember, like, holy crap, that person's smart. Um, how about Peter Thiel? Yeah, well, <laughs> he's he's pretty f- smart. Yeah, Steve, he's Jer- not only- Steve Jervidson's pretty smart. Okay, but but and, and so I, my first thought was like uh, Patrick McKenzie. This you know all of those types are are very um, analytical, uh, a specific kind. Of, they're they're almost like not even just that they're smart. It's just that they're like they're like weird. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, they're absolutely. Like, they're and I, really like what ching, 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 ching. you can picture the spreadsheets in their head. Totally, and they're very engineer oriented. They're, they're yeah. just like they, they, they and so and, and writers are weird people to begin with. We are yeah, we're, we yeah, writers are weird. So I see these people as as because I'm I I see myself just like in the, like I don't see myself as an intelligent person, but I can easily see how Maria's uh, slamming these two ideas together and why she finds the connection between them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's not that that difficult when you have that drive and that hunger. The way that I'm reading all of these like you know, histories on advertising or like watching documentaries on Gore Vidal or things like, and J.D. Salinger and you're going, oh my God, it's the yeah, same yeah, yeah. thing. But, you but know? it's totally, but but there's a completely different um, set of skills that you need to have to be able to have the discipline to sit down and not only not only read that stuff and talk about it, but then to force yourself to sit down and write about yeah. these things for hours and hours a day yeah i mean yeah, they're and, and, fanatical and I, about it no but i don't want to i don't want to let, let's let's not blow let's not blow what they do out of out of out of proportion because they work we all know okay so we all know it takes a lot of work to do what they do but that's not really the question here i, I think you're right you're really bright in bringing up the idea of survivor survivor bias like that's an interesting idea when you look at this okay we're looking at these you know potentially three or four i thought of also like even tim ferris's 
blog has always covered just a multitude. I mean, his latest things on like psychedelic drugs, right? His latest right. posts on that. Um, always covering a wide multitude of topics, and yet there's a common core uh, of of the audience. And I think that's what's. You know, I went back and read Jeff Goins wrote a great piece for us that I'll put in the show notes. Um, and the title of it is "Why Finding Your Niche Is Bad Advice." Uh, and he talks about the difference between choosing a niche and choosing a core audience who has a worldview. Now, to me, this is a little bit semantic, but I think it's it's instructive. The difference between, um, you know, I'm I serve people who are, I you know people who are in Southern Kentucky who uh, who have two dogs who shop at uh, the local Save Mart and who are concerned about gas prices. You know what I mean? Like in some ways, like this isn't helpful at, at all. But this is a lot. Of, this is the way a lot of us go about defining our target market. As we think about all of these obscure things, and I get into this a lot in our in our in our course on defining your audience, um, because I, I I very much agree much with with where Jeff is going with this. And he says it's much more valuable to choose a worldview, because now you do a have the ability to talk about multiple things. But there's this there's this uh, more importantly this common like it, the way that he talks about it is like so try this. Pick an idea that's controversial that you believe in. So, for example, global warming. Say, say, I don't believe any of this stuff on global warming, if you don't, right? And here's why. Now, you've got people who are interested in that idea. Or you could say, you know, one of the, his other examples is all parents should care a bunch about organic foods. You know, and, and now we've got these sort of like teeter-totter like issues where you're on one side or the other. And a lot of these things, and we're picking around a worldview. Now, what does this have to do with with who we're talking about over here in Farnham Street and brain pickings? And, and for anybody that isn't familiar with Farnham Street or brain pickings or cocky dot org, these are sites that are are principally sort of they're they're interested in a lot of different topics. It seems like it's like craziness, like where they're talking about this one day and this the next day, and and sometimes in the same day talking about multiple different kinds of stuff. You can't really nail them down as a tech blog or as a writer's blog or as a creativity or a liberal education blog or anything like that. Though I did go back and try to find their first posts for these sites, which is which has been pretty interesting. Because on Farnham Street, from the from the get-go, it's like shotgun blast. In the first, you know, five posts, he's talking about um, economics, uh, the bailout, supply and demand. Those are kind of all 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 together because this was in two thousand nine. Uh, kind of all like around loosely around that economics sort of theme. But then he gets into like decision making, and then like a sort of a review of Food Inc. Um, as as a documentary. And it starts from there, just it, it kind of explodes more and more. Now, here's what he says about what he's doing there. I have a fairly simple objective. This is from his About page. I want to go to bed each night smarter than when I woke up. I also want to live a meaningful life and become a better person. So those are pretty generic statements. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of fight about that statement. It's a great sort of uh, rally cry in that like a lot of people sort of will that will like the way that that's phrased and what it represents. But it got really interesting when I looked into the origins of brain pickings um, because, as you said, Corbett, this has been around in, since 2006. But how it got started, it was, it was a weekly email to seven friends. That's how, that's how it got started. She would send a weekly email to seven friends. And if you look at her first several posts, she is doing exactly the next draft, Dave Pell kind of, you know, five items of news th- this week. 
mm-hmm. thing and those very first posts, which is nothing like what she does now, and what, nothing like what we've any of us who love that site have loved ab- about it. It's, it's always been like, wow, where'd she find that quote from Alan Watts? Holy crap! Look at this amazing letter that she found from uh, John Steinbeck on like how, on like his writing tricks or something. You know what I mean? Like like all of this this uh, you know finding these source materials, uh, presenting them, and then presenting some editorial on them as well as like book reviews and a lot of this different sort of like editorial stuff on like c- combining creative ideas. To me, you know, to me brain pickings ends up being like it's really it's about crea- it's about what it's like to live the creative life. And that's why to me the question is wait, maybe there really is a niche in these things. But what what's instructive to me is where she got started was completely different than where she is now because she was writing about iTunes and the demise of iTunes because, you know, Songbird just came out, an open source platform from Mozilla. You know, one of her first, that's what her first article is about. It's about that plus like a self-driving, uh, not even a self-driving car, like a, a taxi powered by air. It was basically like a tech news thing for a little while uh, and eventually started to grow over time from there. And I bet you, if you looked through the old ones, you'd find those inflection points of like, maybe she got a lot of feedback based on some creative stuff, or maybe she started like going like, this is really tiresome doing this. Like she, she probably had an idea, like I'm going to be this tech journalist, uh, the new ver- tech journalist 2.0, you know, where it's like, it's just direct to the consumer, no middleman, not going through New York times or anything like that. And I'm talking about the issues that are important to me and my generation. Yeah. I mean, so two things from that. Number well, one is she'll say that she was just, sharing what was interesting to her, what she was reading or what she was finding out about as she was going through grad school or something like that at the time was kind of how she started. It was just what was interesting and then sharing it with friends. Yeah. And so that was kind of her filter. And in the same way that you say it's about the creative life, I take it as being like about being an intellectual and being intellectually curious and researching things and chasing down rabbit holes Mm, that are intriguing to us. And so I think something that's appealing about her site and her writing is that you can take whatever meaning from it you want or need right now. And it applies to your life in different ways based on how you see yourself. And I think that's a big part of the appeal. Yeah. And, and and so to me, when I'm hearing Logan ask the question, like, aren't these sort of anti niche niche ideas aren't like, how are they, how are they able to do this? You know, when every guru out there is saying like, pick a niche. So first question I had was like, well, maybe there are niches sort of under the surface here. And I think that's important whether or not the audience really knows it. What does she think she's doing? And I think, um, what does she say? Uh, yeah, she doesn't really get into like the kinds of things. She, she basically on her site, on her about page, she talks about like, it's basically about uh, you, the seven she wrote this post on the the seven I'll put this in the show notes as well the seven things she learned in the seven seven uh years of writing brain pickings and she says the core ethos behind brain pickings is that creativity is a combinatorial force it's our ability to tap into our mental pool of resources knowledge insight information inspiration and all the fragments populating our mind that we've accumulated over the years just by being present and alive and awake to the world and to combine them in extraordinary new ways so that's what she would say, you know, that, that, that on her about page is like sort of generally I'm writing about this sort of thing. You know what I mean? And, and I, don't, I don't read her blog regularly, but every time I've landed on her site, it's, it's, some, it's some writer tell like, write, like their tips for writing. Most, and, and every one of them has blown my mind. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, so that's, that's sort of my lens on, on, on her. And I'm not an expert in any of these. And Corbett, you read Farnham Street. Do you still read it? Yeah. 
not I mean not regularly. I I read all of these occasionally. And um I guess, you know, another interesting way to think about these is to ask each of us why do we read these? Right? Yeah. And and that gives you an insight into how these people are making something that other people want despite it not being easily described. Um and for yep. me, Farnham Street, I think is just he he really gets into this concept of mental models and how um, mental models are he calls them tools for the mind and um, it's interesting to think about how the models that you have and the way that you assimilate information sort of influences the way that you experience the world and it's just he is talking about things that um, are intellectually stimulating, I guess. And so sometimes when you need a break from the typical tech news and startup bullshit um, that's out there and you want something that's a little bit more, you know, appetizing for the mind, then this is the kind of place that you would turn to me. And that's why, that's like why that. when we were talking about, you know, how to me these people are, um, you know, a cut above from an intellectual standpoint. Yeah. Um, I think the the proof is in the pudding that when you read this stuff, it is a little bit more. Uh, it takes a little bit more time to dive into and un- understand, and it's not just a regurgitation of the same thing that everybody else is talking about online. Yeah, I think, and I would agree for, with you on on Farnham Street, just because his point of view and the way he synthesizes that stuff is really unique. And I, and I think, in some ways, uh, brain pickings and Kotke, it's like they're. They're just, they're really, really culturally adept and know the good sources of information. Yeah. Because they're just hunters they, and they're, they're, they're so curious about this stuff. So, kotki.org is a site that you, you might go on and find some great video of a, of a draw, you know, drone flying around or, uh, some quote from an article that he says you should read this article on human cloning. Yeah. Or it, like, but like, who knows what it's like? It's like the, the, the curious, the front page curiosities of the internet for a type of, you know, sort of techie based, nerd based, but, but still very, you know, intelligent group. I think, you know? yeah, Kotki is harder to pin down in terms of topic because it really feels kind of like a news site um, for a person yeah. with a particular sort of sensibility. People who are like really, you know, steeped in internet culture. Um, brain pickings to me is clearly about creativity and personal development. Uh, when you read that, mm. I mean, that's that's always what I'm looking for when I when I read her stuff. And Farnham Street yeah. is really yeah. about uh, Farnham Street really is about getting smarter. I think. But Kotki is like yeah. all over the map, um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's kind just, of like it's like I, what's interesting, you know? Yeah, when you want to be entertained, right? And so the thing that people want mm-hmm. is they want to be they want to have some curiosity satisfied. They want to be entertained. Maybe they want to find something interesting that they could send to friends or that they could talk about when they meet up with friends. Yeah, definitely. And here's how Kotke, uh, Jason, puts it on his About page. He says, the ed- editorial direction of the site is all over the place, but clusters around a pair of hand-wavy ideas. The liberal, liberal arts 2.0 is the first idea, and second being, people are awesome. <laughs> Which I like that. So the, the, another another sort of example of like maybe there is a, I think most of us we need some sort of sort of uh, like an idea. Like I, I I just found this old picture of me in my Superman you know costume, and I think of my son wearing his stormtrooper costume, and, and like these these ideas of of like the idea that we have of our of what we are and the who we are and what we are. Right? They kind of shape the way we go about the world we go about in the world. And so if, if he's like, 
and you don't need a lot, but you just need a little bit. So if Maria from Brain Pickings is like, it's about the creative life and it's about personal development and it's about, uh, you know, being sort of a, a, a cut above intellectually, then, then she has something to go with versus who am I and what am I here for? And that, that constant question of like, what am I interested in? Well, what you're interested in is, is, is such a complex, crazy, uh, changing, morphing idea over time that, that, that really is a craziness. And, and whether you're writing a site or not, you have these mental models, like you're talking about, Corbett, of yourself. These things that you're thinking you know, you know, about yourself, the way you see yourself. Oh, I'm not like that. I'm like this. Oh, I'm more, you know, like I'm not. I'm more book smart than not not sort of street smart, or the, or the other way around. And these mental models are are everywhere inside of us. And I, I think in some ways, and most of us aren't aware of them. But those are our niches that that our that our psychology is our our brain patterns are picking for us. And so, uh, in some ways, I see that there are niches in these sites. In, even as you say it for Farnham Street. I, you know, how he puts it himself. I have a very simple uh, objective. I want to go to go to bed each night smarter than when I woke up. You said like it's for people who want to get smarter. I think that's a perfect example. And then you're like, okay, so what are the things that people want to get smart about? Well, a, a brief purview of of his site is like, uh, okay, we've got obviously on the news what gets talked about, like, you know, economic stuff. We're thinking about uh, poverty and race relations. We're thinking about um uh, just this with just with economics alone, like, like what happened with the bailout? I need to understand that. Do I need to understand that? Let's try to understand that. And that, that's kind of like what he did for his first several posts. Uh, it seemed like that was a trend back then. And so, um, and I, you're yeah, you're dead you're dead on earlier when you were you were talking about. Well, let's think about how these people got started because where they are now is this complicated evolution that's happened over many years, and more importantly, over many hundreds and hundreds of entries that they've written. And so they've gotten better and better and they've evolved. And to be able to articulate exactly what they do, it's hard for us. Imagine how hard it is for them to kind of figure out what is this thing that I'm trying to do and to put it down on paper. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and that changes over time and, and your ability to tell people, okay, this is what I do. You sort of see historically, like it, it comes in, into clear view after you can look back over a few years of your work and sort of say, this is what I was doing. Um, and so for someone, you know, who's thinking about starting a site like this, the question is, are you going to be able to hang tough through that evolutionary process? Because in the beginning, it's going to be really hard for you to find readers, most likely. Just And, and you're going to have to stick with it and to try to evolve and um, to try to get to that point where it feels cohesive and coherent. Um, even startups go through this yeah. evolution, right? So, um, you know, like Slack, for example. Wow, Slack, it's this amazing tool. Well, if you look back, um, the company got funding a while back for what? Was it a game or something they were building? Um, Stuart Butterfield, the, the founder of Slack, kind of has that MO because Yahoo started, or not Yahoo, but Flickr started out of some radically different thing. I think they were building games then, and maybe for Slack, he was building something else. But... Um, you know, even for us thinking about fizzle now, you can look at, you know, what people are doing right now and hold yourself to this impossible standard and say, oh, I should just create like a new fizzle or I should just create a new brain pickings, you know. Um, but even for us, it's like six years ago, this started as some blog that I was writing while I was traveling. And it evolves and it evolves that, you know, as you learn and as you can articulate it and sort of set a new vision for yourself. And what you're looking at us doing now is the evolution that we've been through as a team over the past um, 
two and a half or coming up on three years now. So it's kind of that, you know, again, not to bring it up every episode, but the Ira Glass talk about how you have this taste and you can tell that brain pickings is good, but there's no way that you're capable right now of producing that. Yeah. So when we talk about choosing a topic and narrowing things down, we're just trying to put training wheels on your bike so that you're not going to crash right away um, so that you have some boundaries and that you're able to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do for a while. It's not to say that that can't evolve. And it's pretty cool if you start a site called brain pickings because it could end up being about just about anything. And so maybe you put the training wheels on and you leave yourself a little bit of leeway to be able to grow and adapt over time because you don't feel like just writing about tech news is going to be the be all end all. Um, of what you want to do, yeah, you uh, didn't know that at the start, right? You, right. You had to you had to get into it for a while and go, oh, okay. And that's what's so important about this is realizing uh, that that you learn over time based on a couple things, based on the audience's reaction to stuff, and based on your personal fit, what we call personal fit and fizzle. Uh, your does this does does doing this feel right to me? Does this feel like the thing I was thinking about when I was thinking about starting a business? Did I think it would be like this or is this a lot worse than I thought than I thought it was going to be? You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where as as part of um, you know, some of the challenges we like choosing a topic for example, as people are choosing a topic, I always encourage them to create some content around that topic for a little while to see if they actually like it or not when they're choosing a niche or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, let's say you decide I'm going to create brain pickings. Well, try to write 10 of those kinds of articles and just see how it feels because the, the nature of the work is, is such a big factor in whether or not you're going to be good at it and whether or not you're going to enjoy it. And um, you might really enjoy reading the outcome of it, but the, you know, eight hours of reading a book in order to write one article, that might be a drain on you over time. Yeah. Barrett, what are you hearing over there? I don't know. I guess there's two big things for me. Number one is just because they have popular blogs doesn't mean they have successful businesses. I don't know what the business models are for all of these, but I know for brain pickings, it's basically reader supported, aka yeah, donation based. Yeah. Um, I think she's doing fine now, but for a long time, she didn't make any money from this thing. I don't know how she made money or if she's uh, has a partner or what, but I do know that for a long time, it didn't make money. So consider that when you're thinking about a site like this. And number two is, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I just don't want to understate the amount of time these people put in. We've kind of yeah. downplayed it a little bit over the course of this conversation. And I, I think it's remarkable how much time these people put into these sites, whether it's the ones we've been talking about or like if you read about Dave Pell's process for Next Draft and he'll have 150 tabs open at the beginning of every day from essentially everything he can find, every headline he can find from all over the internet that's interesting to him on any level. And then he reads everything uh, and then boils it down to a couple things he thinks that are worth sharing and worthy of that newsletter that he sends out. And same thing with Maria Popova. She reads all kinds of stuff that she doesn't end up writing about on the blog. And to get to something worth writing about, she has to read maybe four books or for long form articles or essays or whatever she's going back and reading. And I encourage people to do that. I think you do become a better person by taking that kind of approach to creating a site or a business or whatever, but it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's going to be very, very difficult to do that for a month, let alone for a year or five years. Yeah. So yeah, go for it. I think it's a great idea. I think that you will be a badass of the internet. And yet, 
I think it's highly unlikely that you're going to keep doing it long enough to be the kind of site that they are. And I, I so I think I, there's two things here, and then I want to pull us directly back into Logan's question. One of them is um, the only difference between, like the reason, like I've said earlier in this conversation and a hundred times before, the only reason why we're telling you to pick a niche is if you want to make money and build an audience quickly. Because if you're talking about ADD for um, people with cerebral palsy, you can get to those people. You can you can hound them down. You can have a mission to find them because you're fundamentally not uh, not uh, just some bland, gross, ugly thing. It's a it's an issue that that people in that world really really care about and are either searching hard for it or you can find where else they are and start talking about you know you can go to ADD thing and say who has cerebral palsy. You can go to cerebral palsy place and say who has ADD, right? Uh, there's there's a direction there and there's a direct correlation between I have this need and you go I made this solution. I have this thing to offer you, right? Versus um Versus the, the much more broad sort of exploratory things that so I, I I can't help but think of like my own site my own little personal blog ice to the brim all I'm doing is collecting quotes from interesting things that I've read both books and articles online and and offline and and videos and, and documentaries and all this all this stuff right I'm doing a similar thing that Kotke or or Brain is doing but I'm doing it or it, what they did in seven years it's going to take me seventy years. To create the amount of posts, the amount of of things, and I'm doing it very differently. I'm just because because all this is is my simple little little thing about like wow that was interesting to me, and then I put it on there, and the people who are subscribed get an email automatically once a week, and I don't know why they would subscribe. I have no idea why, unless they're interested in the same kinds of things that I am, which is the creative life, um, how to do our best creative work over and over and over again, how to figure out what the next version of you is or what the real version of you is and uncover the all these sorts of things. This is the, this is the, the journey I've been on since I was training to be a pastor, since long before that, because those are the, qu- the questions that were most interesting to me. So I've continued reading that stuff. Um, so if you don't need to make money or have a big audience in a short amount of time, you can just do the, the and ri- you can just write and collect the things that are interesting to you. There's one that 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 is something that's really important about these sites is that they took a very long time to get big and what made them successful in some ways when we want maybe a very large reason why they're successful is simply because they kept going. Right, less because like they they had more insight or more intelligence or worked harder than than other people. It's just that like maybe early on they were more satisfied with lower results, such that they kept going. So they didn't have expectations that they'd be maybe working full time on this. Uh, you know, within a year they had expectations that like maybe they would never do that, and this would just they would they would keep doing this because it's the thing. It's a project that keeps them interested and forces them to be their better self. Forces them into reading more, 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 and bettering themselves versus just sitting on the couch and and being a connoisseur of Lay's potato chips, which is also a noble pursuit. Um, <laughs> so I think of of the fact that like th- this is. The the difference here is time. Do you have 10 years to create a large audience around a sort of really, really true-to-life, um, you know, essential sort of erupting kind of uh, uh, 
just general direction or, or, or vibe in some ways. That's like, notice how we, we all, as hard as we try to like say like, well, brain pickings is about the creative life or being, bettering yourself. And this one's about being smarter. And that one's about this, that, and the other. As much as we try and we can kind of like put them in the box, they're going to post something today that's going to put them out of that box. Right. You know what I mean? And they their North to. Star is like their interests. Their, their North Star is themselves. they right. Yeah. And they've just stuck to that long enough to where every, you know, if you're running that kind of site, every, uh, next audience member is just further validation of the direction you're heading and of the curiosity around what you're writing and what you're exploring. And hey, if you can land 50,000 email subscribers over five years, yeah, you can do this kind of thing. And there's a tipping point that comes where it doesn't matter what your niche is anymore. People are paying attention and they're reading you and enjoying you and they don't care. And but, I love I love and, talking about this stuff, by the way. Yeah. Wait, keep going. I sort of interrupted you. Keep going. No, no, not at all. I mean, I interrupted you to begin with, but well, like the whole it. point is, yeah, if you can do it and you can get people to pay attention and get them intrigued, awesome. Do that. Please do that. And show us another example of how this thing works because yeah. all we're doing is projecting to fizzlers and to our audience, hey, here's what we've seen work most often. Yeah, and 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 fastly, and right. and and as a launch pad for things that grow. I always, you know, like the story of Facebook is it was it was in it was in a dorm in 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 Harvard, right? That's a niche, and then now look at it, right? Do you think that niche? Uh, limited them for very long. No, but like when you have that traction, you can explore into other areas. That'll happen in everything that you do. You That's why, to me, the idea is don't launch a podcast, launch a podcast season. And then have a choice to either continue going on that season or not afterwards. But then you at least finish something. Look, I did 16 episodes because the new and noteworthy section lasts eight weeks and I have two episodes a week. And this is one thing on this one problem. You know, this one topic, yep. this one little thing. Now you get to choose, do I still want to keep talking about this? Or, so am I going to do a second season of this? Or am I going to do something completely different? You and know, if that, you walk away, awesome. now it's a item in your portfolio or in your body of work and you can and call you, it yeah. quits or keep doing it. Just like Maria Paul of brain pickings. She was like, uh, like I can't tell if she ever said this, but she's like, I'm going to be a, a tech and, and sort of nerdy uh, email-based newsletter person. And then after a while, it's like, you know what? I don't like this. I would rather just do the, the creative things that I started doing in the, in the blog because I'm getting people who are saying like, whoa, that was interesting. You know, that's that audience feedback. So that, that it feeds so much of what you end up realizing you're good at. Like like I've said a hundred times on Father Apprentice, I didn't know what I was doing until I realized how much these guys needed a, a voice about this kind of work-life balance stuff with a family, right? That's when I was like, oh my gosh, okay, got it. They gave me the niche after I was already working, doing the best I knew how to put stuff in front of them. So let's go back real quick to to, to Logan's real question because what he actually asks. First of all, like I, like we said, like I love talking about these guys, these sort of like old flag, the real flag of of blogging to me growing up. This is like this is the blogs that the the kinds of blogs that I paid attention to. It was never a blog that was trying to get big, and it was never you know Youth Speaker University or Fizzle dot co or like how to start a business in ten weeks or all the things that have exploded over the over the the last you know four or five years. Because I've always been attracted to these kinds of people, and I love the. I've always wanted to do like, like you know, like like long, long, like like stories of like how um, how Kotke or Daring Fireball or others like got started, or you know, Merlin Mann's Forty Three Folders is a great example, sort of bridging the gap between like I'm just blogging myself and I have a I have a real topic that I'm talking about. 
Um, so I love that we get to talk about this. This is awesome. I'm surprised how often we don't talk about this simply because I don't, you know, I, I don't know what you guys think, but it doesn't seem like it's the some sort of thing that most of our audience is interested in or these sites. And maybe that's, maybe that's wrong. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know, you- I think, well, I think, I think most people, well, not most, but I know that a lot of people in Fizzle and a lot of people listening to this are interested in creating something that's not so well-defined. Yeah. And, and just look at the blogs that we see people start. A lot of times, it's this kind of vague combination of um, personal development and um, finding a career that you really love and living the life that you want to live. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just because what, that's what they're interested in personally. Yeah. And it's really, it feels very limiting to say, I have to write a blog about ADD for this specific group of people. It just yeah. feels like that's not going to fulfill me. It's going to be boring totally. to do that. And, and so the flip side of the coin is, you know, yeah, maybe it's hard to synthesize dozens and dozens of books every month and articles and everything into into something and you're spending hours doing it. On the flip side, it's also hard to stay entertained by one specific topic day after day after day. Um, I mean, you know, even we we get to talk about entrepreneurship, which ends up being fairly broad and we're able to touch on a lot of personal stuff and it keeps us entertained. But even that sometimes, you know, we all we fantasize whenever we get together. Chase has like five different ideas about little things that we should be doing, and a lot yeah. of times it's new, just really- mostly it's just mostly it's new songs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but a lot of times it's based on some other form of creativity that doesn't involve entrepreneurship necessarily. Right. So, yeah. um, so you have to figure out way. You know, you have to have um, if you're going to do one specific topic, you have to have some sort of outlet, or you have to be that certain personality type that can stay driven on one specific topic for a very long time. Yeah. And by the way, one little side note here is I think about like, um, so I, I see what, imagine if what Maria's idea was in the beginning was like, okay, I'm going to read uh, these 50 books, uh, one a week, and I'm going to uh, write sort of my favorite quote. I'm going to capture my favorite quote and and maybe a, a few other quotes if, if there's there's betters in there and kind of like give a brief sort of summary and the pages that are my favorite. So it's basically, it's almost like a book club, a condensed, like quick book club on these 50 books, right? That's in who knows? I mean, the, the books you choose end up kind of defining the, the, the niche or whatever the topic, but in some ways it's the activity itself. It's the thing you do with it. This whole idea of reading a book and providing this information about it. That is the, in some ways, is a niche, is your your topic, right? I think about Entrepreneur on Fire, the podcast from John Lee DeMoss. In some ways, it's the activity of a daily show interviewing someone. And obviously, it starts with entrepreneurs, but then it, it might morph over time into other kinds of people. Like Mark Maron's show, uh, WTF, it started all with, with comedians because that was his access and that was the people. And, the, and, and then he started slowly morphing over time into writers and, and artists and a lot of musicians because he's really interested in music. And because the same thing is at stake here. What did it, what did, how did you get started? What was your dad doing? What was your family like that brought you to where you are now doing this kind of important creative work? So just like a little side note, sometimes you can create you like a, a quote unquote hack. Are you ready for a hack? Here's a hack. It's hack time, folks. Get the music buzzer in there. <laughs> it's hack time. Sometimes you don't have to think about a topic or a niche. You can just think about cool stuff to do and then do it over and over again with different kind of stuff isn't that neat yeah man miracles 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 no (laughs) but uh but (laughs) here's logan's question going back to it um he says here's my here's what i'm wondering 
How is it that something so cross-disciplinary or kind of anti-niche does so well? And then finally, like, you know, how would they go about defining their audience? And in some ways, they don't have to anymore. They don't, they don't, they don't have to, but they, they actually, maybe they do if they need to target an ad or do something like that, but they don't, they're not doing that because their, their audience grows by word of mouth. So let's, let's get away from the second part, but just like, how is it, do you think, that these cross, seemingly cross-disciplinary things do so well? And I think one point that needs to stand is the fact that they're actually they're super cross-disciplinary, and yet there's a core worldview at the center of these things. In accordance with Jeff Gowen's article that he wrote on Sparkline, you know, don't pick a niche, pick a worldview. That quite like so for brain pickings, it is like how to be a how to live the creative life and how to do get better personally and be satisfied with what you're creating. Um, and Farnham Street being about like let's just get more intelligenter. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? At the core nucleus, it's people who want to go to bed smarter than they than they woke up. So in some ways, there is this 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 core nucleus worldview there that even though the the on the on the surface there's this cross disciplinary a lot of this different stuff, those things have roots that go down into the kind of person I think maybe. Yeah. I don't know though. What, what would you, how would you say? I mean, or I, answer. I think at the end of the day, you're talking about people with a worldview number one most people don't have a worldview that they're approaching their life through and so or they don't starts, they do they do but they don't know it they right. haven't identified I would agree it. With that. you're right so these people i think have some level of self-awareness about their worldview number one or they've developed it over time through these sites yeah then they're reading some of the most interesting things in the world so Maria Popova is going back and reading some of the most interesting readings from 150 and 200 years ago or whatever she reads every day. And then she's reflect, filtering that through her worldview and reflecting it back to us. And, you know, you could probably say that across a number of these sites. Maybe they're reading the most interesting things on the internet and then giving you only the things that they found most intriguing for that day. Well, when you're doing that, you've got all this source material that you can filter through your worldview. It's bound to be interesting if you stick to it because you're sifting through all of this source material to begin with and figuring out what matters and what doesn't based on your worldview. So it's not that amazing to me that they're able to be interesting or that they're able to attract an audience because they're starting with great source material or they're filtering through to great source material and then just showing you that with their spin on it. Yeah, I think that, that, that's great. What do you think, Corbett? I would just strip all of this discussion of like should I choose a niche? Should I not choose a niche? The the real question is, um, how are you going to create something that other people want? And um, whether there's a specific topic or not, you still have to have an answer to why do people want to read this versus all the hundreds of thousands or millions and millions of other blogs that are out there. And you have to have some compelling answer to that. Um, it may be that your worldview is more interesting than other people's. And God bless you if that's true. I don't think that's true for most people. I don't think most of us are all that interesting, yeah. um, especially in you know the context of people who do this for a living and, and who are really polished at it. And that's really what your competition is. So um, you know, just figure out what is it that you're going to be able to provide to people. And um, and I think you know, in in the case of these specific sites that he was asking about, um, I think there are niches for each of these sites, like we talked about. And, um, and so you have to figure out if, if you want to talk about all different topics, what is going to be that single unifying lens or view or whatever that ties it all together so that you can deliver that thing that people want. You know what though? Like, so if I were going to start today, 
I might start almost exactly like Maria Popova did and just start writing to a group of friends who I think are like me. So I like I do a breakfast club every month here in Atlanta with 10 to 20 guys who I feel like are pretty similar to me in worldview. And the way I would start something like this is I wouldn't even publish publicly. I would write those guys an email because we share a worldview and we share similar interests. And yeah. what I find interesting, they would probably find interesting. And what's going to happen over time is they're going to say to someone else, hey, I get this really cool email from this guy named Barrett, and here's the kinds of things he talks about. I can ask him if he can put you on that distribution list if you want. And so I would start there because by definition, that's a niche because it's 20 guys who I know and I know the kinds of things that we're interested in. And so they're going to have some level of trust and willingness to check out what I'm doing right up front. And then I would see if that works. I would do that for one or three or six months or whatever and see how I feel about it and see how they feel about it and then go from there. It's a hack. It's another hack. hack, hack ah, we got hack, a hack, hack. Miraculous hack day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hacky, 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 hacky. Sack. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 I'm, I'm kind of like scrolling through uh, Marie Pavlova last sort of stuff. Uh, and it's really yeah, it's it's interesting. It, it, the the when you can when you can allow your own whimsy to sort of take you places, and when you can and in, in, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? When you can indulge yourself on this instead of constantly thinking about like oh what's my niche? What's my target audience? How am I going to take advantage of these people? How am I going to put something in front of them? Instead of thinking about that kind of crap, to have the luxury, it, it really is a, a very spiritual kind of luxury to go. I what I'm interested in is the most important thing to me. How about that? How about that, you sons of? B- <laughs> about, you know, I love that. I, that's what I'm so. That's why I admire so much about these people that we're talking about. Now, again, I have to state it that like you can start that right now, and in ten years, you'll still be doing it if you if you're lucky. And there'll be there'll be like you'll you'll be able to get donations, or you'll be able to have written a book, or you'll be able to like sell something directly to them. And it's a and and. And you will feel so true and good about it. Again, you're not rushing it though. You're yeah, not exactly. You have to allow it the time that it takes to do that. You can do this. I'm doing this. You know that, that I don't know if that's a, if what if, if I ever do anything with ice to the brim, but I know that it's for me, and I don't give a damn who else sees it, right? And it's and I, that's who I write it to. I, I write because I'm constantly searching for things later on, and occasionally I'm landing on my own blog posts about these things and going right. like, oh my god, I forgot I wrote that. Right, and so, I think we're all doing it right now. I mean, I think Corbett's doing that at CorbettBar.com. I know that's what I'm doing at BarrettBrooks.com. It's like I just don't give a f- if anybody buys anything from me right whoa, now. Whoa, whoa! But hey, hey, you whoa. said don't give a damn. Come whoa. on, man. Hey, whoa. hit your little hit your little show. tilde button. This is a family show. Oh, we got bleeps. We got bleeps for... on bleeps on bleeps. Barrett is. Uh, what did you have for lunch, pal? Green you were tea piping, huh? and shrimps. Uh, <laughs> shrimp. Hey, y'all, man, I have shrimps. <laughs> Uh, but point being, I mean, right. What's if, if you're not on a timeline, if you're like us and you have the privilege of having a good job or building something interesting, then go write what's interesting to you on the side. Like we write about business for the spark line and then we all write about whatever we want on the side and it's just fun and it doesn't and matter. And maybe 10 years from now these, when we're all millionaires, we'll get to do that. Every one of these started the same way. Jason Kutke didn't just go like one day, I'm going to start a blog and I, and I quit my job and started the blog. They, it was always day job, then this. You know what I mean? That's how all of this gets started. And that, that's because that's the thing about it. how else are you going to do it if you still need to pay the bills? If you don't need to pay the bills, then you don't need to do that. So try to find a way to not pay, need to pay the bills. 
that'd be great. You know, moving with mom and dad and just live on, uh, you know, jello, jello pudding and, uh, and <laughs> too soon. Even, too soon. Too soon. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, and I almost like did the voice too. Yeah. And it, is, it is too soon. I heard a great interview, by the way, uh, on the, we're talking about Bill Cosby and his sort of this just reign of terror that he's unleashed. Uh, it, it, and a lot of people are saying like, it feels like I lost my comedy dad. You know what I mean? America's comedy dad. But there's a great episode of of WTF where Marin talks to Judd Apatow. And Judd Apatow is like one of the only guys that I'm hearing uh, ostensibly being like enraged by it. And it was it was cool to to hear his his perspective and just like nobody wants to talk about it because Cosby was such a great, you know, voice in America for so long. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. R.I.P. Jello. I wonder if that hit Jello pretty hard. <laughs> I don't think so. They're pretty. They're pretty far. We're pretty far away from that. I guess. I think yeah. there are probably other things hitting Jello pretty hard right now. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Like the fact that it's uh, not food. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> I hope so. Um, okay, guys. Well, listen. We covered a lot of, of base, a lot of ground here on Logan's question, talking about how are these sites that seem so cross disciplinary getting so big? And, and I think you know, there's something in the nature of this. To me, the the fact that Maria started brain kickings <laughs> by writing an email every week to seven friends. That's what it, that's what it was. And then eventually that kind of gave her enough of uh, enough sort of juice. I don't know, somehow to like start publishing it online and then start growing and morphing and changing over time. And she developed, like I've said before, we're, you're developing yourself on this business as you're going. Um, and, and that's a that's the exciting thing. You will you want to wake up smarter, or you want to go to bed smarter than you than you woke up. If you work on a business, you're going to go to bed differently than you woke up because you're interacting with a bunch of people. You're trying to make something that they want. You're trying to understand what it is they want. You're trying to hear like trying to decipher what do they want versus what do they actually need, and how do I you know add a little bit of sugar to the medicine to actually get them to act, to get the change that they want to see in their life and things like that. This, this starting a business is just it's like being a politician. It's like it's like trying to stand for something better. It's it's amazing, and the way that these folks that we're talking about have done it on Farnham Street and brain pickings, cocky, even even you know ostensibly uh, Tim Ferriss, you know someone who's chasing ostensibly chasing down his own interests and yet making multi bestsellers out of them. He's doing it really smart, maybe better than anyone else is doing it. I don't know uh, where where I would end up falling on that debate, but. <laughs> But really, like, he's masterful at this. And like Kathy Sierra talks about in her, you know, minimum viable badass talk, she's like, think what you want about Tim Ferriss. But with his four-hour body, you can look at, you can look at the feedback and see that he is turning people into badasses. They're, he's giving them what they've always wanted about themselves. Definitely. You know? And that is so incredible. Because that's the, that's the dream of, of all this. So, with, so, I don't know, that for us... We still have to learn how to how to how to how to connect with people on that, but it's like the dream of being able to do this self reliant, independent, autonomous, creative, doing your best creative work every day, sort of business. That's our that's our fantasy. That's our fantasy for ourselves. That's the dream that we want to see that us doing, and that's the dream dream we want to enable others. We want to make them badasses that way um, throughout it. And these the, maybe there is that I think there is that mission in each one of these sites. Uh, even you know with Kotki, even though it's a like a, you know an entertainment kind of piece, it's a it's sort of like neither journalism nor nor t- focused in any way beyond like sort of like he says you know people are awesome. 
that still is is a thing that I want to I want fed to me. I want I want to take in instead of you know the daily news, which doesn't have that at its freaking core. You know, it has if it bleeds, it leads at its core. Anyways, this is turning into a rant. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. <laughs> I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Barrett Brooks with nothing else to say. You know, you guys could have could have stopped me at, at like you know at seven minutes into that thing. And we could have stopped ranting. We could have. I hope this was interesting. Today. If we've learned anything, it's it's that it's best to let you finish. Let it go. <laughs> you tell my wife that. Oh, oh man. So there you have it. Awesome. Thanks for your question, Logan. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. You can ask your question anytime. Fizzleshow.co slash ask or hey guys at fizzle.co. Speaking of fizzleshow.co slash ask, we're doing something awesome for our 100th episodes. And I want you and your voice involved. So take 15 seconds, go to fizzleshow.co slash ask and do this. One, tell us your name. Two, Tell us your URL if applicable. And then either simply say something like hi or thanks or tell us your favorite moment of the show or inside joke or something the show has inspired you to do or what the show means to you or about a time when you were lifting weights and and I said something ridiculous and then you dropped the weight and then everybody in the gym looked at you and that's the moment you knew you were going to be an entrepreneur for the rest of your life. I don't know. Tell me some tell us some story about what uh what uh, what this show is meant to you. For our 100th episode, we're making you something cool and I want your voice to be a part of it. So spend, you know, 15 seconds of love at fizzleshow.co slash ask. Show notes for this episode are at fizzleshow.co slash 98. We're getting close. Uh, including a great video version of that Ira Glass taste quote that Corbett mentions. It's like sort of uh, common law on the internet now. It's like one of those things like, what, you've never even seen this? You gotta see it. It's really a terrific quote and set to video like this, it's awesome. Again, fizzleshow.co slash 98. That's all, that's all for now. Uh, but, but I'm getting really pumped for our 100th episodes. Uh, and I'm pumped to get to talk about writers like Maria at Brain Pickings. These are amazing stories uh, of, of chutzpah and heart and conviction that, that also happen to be successful, which is pretty cool. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks. I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.